You're listening to C3 Church Vancouver Podcast. We know you'll be blessed by this message. Just in uh, preparation for that, turn in your Bible um, to uh, Jeremiah 32. The very text that Patty was trying to read without crying. It's a little bit emotional for us as a family, and uh, for Patty and I particularly, because, you know, we've done a journey, and uh, we're so grateful to our own family. We're not, they don't have pride of place or anything like that. We're not a, we're not a dynasty or that kind of thing. But, but we are very grateful for their own initiative to be here, and um, without our invitation, they came and ruined my pension uh, retirement, not my pension. Well, they probably did that too, actually, in the way the paperwork that's going on. But the uh, retirement plan on the beach in Australia, because I've got grandkids born in Canada who are Canadians. I've got a son who we had in Canada, who's a Canadian, but lives in America. But we all live in North America now, so that's it. We're here forever. Come on! Woo! Okay. I want to take you to Jeremiah 32 in just a few minutes. But we've entitled not only this message, but uh, a series of messages which our leadership team will be uh, involved in. I'm calling it Crosstown. And uh, it has reasons for for the the name, of course. And uh, we'll pick them up as we go. Um, But we're getting ready for a very exciting Crosstown shift to a more permanent facility, as has been said already this morning. A facility that gives us, if we wanted to, 24-7 use. We'll have a lease on it for 24-7, but um, that is 24 hours, 7 days a week. But we'll be able to run programs at will and at want. And uh, not that our meetings be inhibited by uh, the next movie that's coming up on the screen. Oh yeah. Uh, I have a I have a terrible little joke that just should have been washed out of my brain. But um, I, I often tell people we've got to get out of here because that next movie is called Swedish Slaves. and uh, <laughs> that that actually that actually comes from a time when we planted a church in Perth in Western Australia, and there was a um, uh, a drive-in movie theater across the road from our facility, and as we're in the opening stages of this church, it come out of this building in a school, and across the road, for all to see, was a big screen with a movie on, titled The Swedish Nipslaves. <laughs> so, honestly. Okay, cleansing of the mind right now. <laughs> Praise God. But we're going to be in something that is not going to inhibit us in program, and time, and style, and you know, we'll be able to add extra songs to the worship, thank God. We've got to sing in the Spirit for 45 minutes straight and hear the prophetic word of the Lord. We'll be able to come under the power at the end of the meeting and stay for days. It's got a kitchen in the place. I'm jumping the gun a bit. Um, Patty was in the opening talking about the journey uh, from here to there. Um, 
And we, we have footprints all over this city. Um, in 16 years or 16.5 years, um, we have re relocated from the other side. You know, <laughs> like the, the Lasso cartoons, the far side. <laughs> we, we used to be across the harbour. That's where we started. Thank God for Lonsdale Key. Uh, seeing these two are doing the vibe this morning down at the redeveloping of that waterfront. Beautiful, but it takes us back. That's where we began. And um, we journeyed with a view to the city to get into the city. And uh, we, uh, we came uh, from uh, the North Shore in various locations into the city to the Pacific Palisades. Um, so we came downtown right up there on Robson. And over the years... We then forayed um, uptown. We had a meeting in Granville Rise, which is kind of, you know, we're uptown, uptown girls. You know, it's where. Don't sing, don't sing. But it's where, you know, yeah, you've got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, 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 a classy, it's a classy part of town and so on. And we, we, we had a meeting up there in Melissa and Classy Joint, which was actually a pole dancing club. <laughs> That's a, you know, we love these, we love our journey. Hmm? There's nothing wrong with us, Patty. We were, we, were, we, we converted the place. But anyway, um, and many people got converted in the place, some who are strategically uh, involved in our church and very uh, consistently involved in our church to this very day. So we we're grateful for that. Not that they were clients. <laughs> they just came to church there. But... Uh, we were up there on the up uh, the uptown side, and uh, and at a later point we were um, up at uh, Plaza 500, a, a big hotel uh, opposite City Hall. So again, you know, uptown. And then uh, when things kind of uh, got closed on us without choosing, uh, without our, our our choice, uh, we we uh, found location again right down in the centre of town in the Empire Theatre um, for for a couple of years. Uh, which then got uh, condemned to um, something and then had to be redeveloped. I think it's been redeveloped. But anyway, um, so we came back downtown and we've operated in that downtown. So we've been across, to, you know, over the other side of town. We've been uptown. We've been downtown. We're here currently on the edges of the downtown east side. Uh, you know, you, you get what I'm saying here. Um, but uh, we're going now across town. Across town. We're putting our feet in every corner, hearkening uh, mm -hmm. uh, back to a, a wonderful encouragement that the Lord gave to Joshua, a new generation that was going, leading his, a new generation into the promised land of God, saying, Every place that promised you, put the sole of your feet. Wherever you trod, you'll, you'll have it. You've marked out your territory. We've been marking our territory for years, stomping all over the city. We've done prayer walks up and down Denman, up and down Robson, back through this area, down through the Gastown area. We, man, there isn't hardly a place that hasn't got the footprint of this church on it. We've been in all sorts of things, as Patty said, so I won't go any further with that. But um, come March 2018, we're going to move to this lease property across town. And uh, you'll see it here, this wonderful building. Um, it's on the southeast corner of Ontario Street and Broadway. Um, it's two blocks down from Maine. It's five blocks up from Canby and City Hall Station. So 
uh, you know, it's an it's an easy access. I, I heard a I heard a um, a wonderful well wonderful. I heard an interesting um, comment about Broadway. It is the world's busiest transit street. The world's. Now I've been to some very loaded and crazy places for for buses, trams, and that. But what has happened in Vancouver along? They cannot, along Broadway, they cannot institute one more bus because there'll be no time between stops for another bus wow. to operate. It's completely saturated. That's amazing. Oh, I'm only telling you that. It's going to be easy to get there. <laughs> well, however true that comment was, but for someone who was really wise, I don't know his name. Google. He was lying on the street with a bottle and whatever. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> looking at the picture here, the whole of that third floor, the whole of the top floor, um, is what we are leasing out. And um, it includes an auditorium, office space, kitchen, um, function rooms, large enough for kids' activities, mother's room, um, Bible college, prayer meeting, uh, even, we could even do indoor baptisms. We can institutionalize ourselves in our baptism mode, but it's got a tile floor in one section of it. Um, we've taken out a five-year uh, lease, uh, which is contingent upon the installation of a accessibility elevator for those with scooters and wheelchairs and baby strollers. Um, we are going nowhere without Lucy. Lucy belongs. Yeah, she you. does. Now, Come on. We're, we're not sure when the elevator will be completed, so we need some of you guys to be getting your muscles in tone. But we are not leaving Lucy behind. Woo! We love you. Give her a hug before you go out of this building. She's got wheels on fire, that girl. What God's got in her, she's got yeah, amazing that's right. But we've been we, we negotiated with the owners that you know they kind of said it was an interesting conversation. You know, why do you want the building? You know, and it, it, the conversation sort of bent its way around. I don't know whether Mike remembers the moment and Brett, but there was a sort of bent its way around. Would well, you actually want us in there? Because there was some thought that they would get a, a tax. Uh, break with the church, uh, you know, city tax, but that's not the case. But, uh, and then they said, well, what can we do for you? In which we then said, well, this is what you can do for us. You can put an elevator in there. No self-respecting church would leave Lucy behind. <laughs> All the mothers with strollers, right? That's right. So we've got uh, a few months with that grace for them to put that in, but uh, we have a walkout clause of a dozen. So start praying now for that to happen. They, they, they fully want to. It's just a matter of, you know, getting it done and, and the districts and working through the city hall on that. But will you pray, make that a matter of prayer in this crossover trying? Really pray, Lord, get that elevator not only permitted, but in, installed, and now. Yeah, thank you, God. You know? And if anybody's going to stand against it, do a miracle and make it appear. No, but my 
encouragement is that we do pray for that to happen. But we have every sense with the attitude and the good nature of the landlords that that is being attended to. So there's our there's our new home, third floor. You can access it uh, at the second floor through the back, which is level with the second floor. It has parking underneath and some parking up the back. Um, it's uh, right there, beautiful for us. Okay. Now, though it's not in the downtown core, which has always been my bullseye, um, it's across town, but it's still effectively in the city because it's west of the East Van Cross. And it's got this amazing view. When you go inside, that's what you see. So we're in view of the city with the city in view. That's a byline that Patty and I had written out on our vision statement before we came to Vancouver, and we located first up in North Vancouver, where the whole other story, and um, but we knew that the city was our calling, not the suburb. Right. And so we're bigger than the suburb and spirit and attitude. And look at you. You come from the northwest, east, and south. Yeah. And even some of us from across the waters there. So um, when people live outside of the greater Vancouver district uh, region, um, you know, they would think of where we are as downtown in the city. The psyche is such. You get past the East Van Cross, and you're into the city. I love that as a great icon um, for us. The cross uh, speaks of us giving our lives and following Jesus' mission into the city. What a wonderful thing that piece of art is. If you haven't seen it, go up there along uh, Clark Drive, whatever corner it's on, and just before the station there. It's, uh, it's an icon. Um, so in view of the city with the city in view, and very panoramic view that it is. So it's going to be great for prayer meetings with our noses pressed up against the window and lots of bottles of Windex being bought by the tithe income of the church. So um, <laughs> now I want to just slip very quickly some history on you. And, uh, you know, I've got nothing to tell me the time here, Patty. I need this. Um, but uh, I want to slip just a little bit of history on you. The next slide can come up. I want to read a... Read a um, a text to you. Um, but you'll see in this next slide uh, a sign that when we walked through the building was hanging on the back uh, wall there, Welcome to Open Bible Chapel, in the previous church, called Open Bible Chapel. Now, Patty has read the text, uh, prayed the text. I'm going to read the text again, Jeremiah 32. It's fundamental to understanding our journey as a church because it came to us as a word from God, we believe, that has led us and instructed us along the way uh, into the church. So that's a person who's texting in the meeting. I'm just sorry, this is all interruptive. Um, but it just, there we go. You can keep texting now, turn you off. But. Um, uh, this text is fundamental to our being here. Um, let me read a, the fuller version for you. 
Jeremiah 32, 6 to 9, and 11 to 15, the full version. Listen to this, folks. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anapoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard, in accordance with the word of the Lord, and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anapoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Key phrase, the right of possession and redemption. The word possession there, it has to do with heritage. It's something like this. Your heritage gives you the right of redemption. That's right. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field. You weren't going to buy into the word that God gives you. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase, containing the terms and conditions of the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, the son of Marseah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. A judge, Barak, in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God, <laughs> he charges, but he's saying, Thus says the Lord, he's prophesying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, Take these words, both the sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware vessel, that they may last for a long time. How long is long? It's long. It's as long as God decides. Mm-hmm. And some of the words that have come have got long on them. <laughs> words from yesteryear are still in the making. Yeah. That's right. They are not forgotten. They're not moribund. Right. They're alive. They're germinating underground where you can't see it. Thank you, Jesus. But Jeremiah was told that they may last for a long time. These deeds, these words, these promises, these prophecies, this ownership claim, it might seem buried, but it's for a time to come. But thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. And it was one piece of land which was purchased on much land. Mm -hmm. 1987. Very short story of a long story which needs to be told at other points. But in our first assignment in Canada, out of the valley, under a certain set of circumstances, somebody praying gave me a word. This was the word, Jeremiah 30, had it in it. The right of heritage gives you the power of redemption. At the end of that first assignment, I was asked by a senior man, I can mention his name because it was a very honorable and wonderful occasion, the Pastor Vern Wilson, White Rock, large church, asked me if, he, if I could reconnect him 
with his spiritual father who was Aaron Baxter, who was a senior pastor for many, many years in this city, who became a world traveler and a very significant man in the charismatic movement in that great era. We had been relating to Aaron for quite some years and were brought into Canada, in effect, in an assignment from Aaron to take up a care of a church that had floundered through leadership failure. One of the churches that one of his sons had planted. And there were many sons now, they were a generation before me. I was in my 30s, we were in our 30s, they were then in their 50s, going into the 60s, if not already. And they were leading large churches across the lower mainland. There was probably half a dozen or more of them. These are great churches that still exist and have become exponentially large. Some of them. But Bernard asked me, could, could, could I reconnect him back with his spiritual father and maybe gather in some of these others of his sons? Now, all I'm saying that for my last assignment of the last week in the first assignment that I was here, that we were here, was to go into an office at Bible Fellowship and to bring Ern in the door and to find these senior men all standing and weeping and throwing their, their arms around Pastor Ern and crying, my father, my father. One literally cried, my father, my father. And for some reason in God, this kid, this wet behind the ears, generationally, you know, distant, if you like, from these guys, but connected to Brother Ed, was used to bring about, in a, in a wonderful moment of God, a reconnection. Ed spoke at their annual conference to the day he died in the next decade. Hmm. It was a wonderful kind of a send-off for me to feel like I did something for the sake of the heritage, the spiritual heritage of the city. Wow. So, folks, when we start looking at buildings and we get ticked off the list by this and that, and we find the council, the city, won't let us take this and won't let us take that, and then finally the city council guy says, well, you know, your only hope is that you find yourself an empty church building. And then as we investigate this building, we find that the, the church on the top floor is a set-up church. The building on the top floor is a set-up church. And it's been that way for many years. It had fallen out of view. But then I find that this was Pastor Ernst's church hmm. when he was in the city. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, what does that do to you? Does it send a little down your spine? It might not for you, but for me it becomes a heritage issue. Yeah. There's something else going on here. That's right. It may not seem that way for anybody else, or it may just be coincidental, but that has shaken my revelation prophetic juices into a fizz. <laughs> Come on. Woo! We're on to something. Yes. We're going places. Back to the story. Jeremiah. You see, Jeremiah was being set up to be a metaphor of God's intention for the city. 
by prophetic guidance that came to him kind of intuitively, he was told that a relative was coming to tell him to buy a field which was a heritage property from within the tribe and family. And it actually happened. Very next verse. Hmm. However long the verses in time. He was told by that intuitive, prophetic Holy Spirit that he had a rightful claim on territory in the, right. in, in, in the area of the city. And that God was going to send a family member with the proposition. And that family member would tell him to secure it for himself. So he did. It happened that exact way. And Amel came, his cousin. So he goes, what, what, what land? I got what land for you. Now, the city was under siege. Definitely a buyer's market. Not the normal time to buy. But that's by the by, really, because Jeremiah not only had redemptive power to buy that land, but he had responsible responsibility to buy that land. Because under the code, land never got completely sold outside the family. It had to be restored and redeemed back original ownership and original purpose within the family. And he was being given this right and responsibility to secure the ongoing of that block of land at a time when there were probably already enemy squatters on it in their advance upon the city. And so it wasn't like he was going to be able to go out there tomorrow and plant his furrow of beans and peas and whatever. It seems like in the Bible there was eight people. <laughs> It's Christian. <laughs> but nonetheless, he was called by the prophetic spirit, telling him this is going to happen, and this happened, and so he knows it's the word of the Lord. It says it very clearly. Thus I knew this was the word of the Lord. But it wasn't just about securing his own future, it wasn't just about himself. In actual fact, he was prophesying to a future generation in God's purposes who would come and repossess much more than a block of land in Amazon. He bought one property, but God says houses and lands and vineyards and this and that shall again be bought mm -hmm. in this city. And with the Chaldeans coming down ferociously upon the walls, building siege mounds, which day by day inched closer and grew larger, these people under threat wondered whether it's all over Red Rover. This is it. This is, you know, Armageddon. You see, God's people were about to fall into the consequences 
of their refusal of previous prophetic intervention, trying to save them from what was coming. Telling them to change their ways, but they, they had rejected. They had stopped walking in the Spirit. They stopped walking according to the word of the Lord. They were no longer living in a sense of the prophetic, leading, guiding, God in the midst, speaking. The Lord, in a sense, was not a lamp unto their feet. By their own choice. It's a very interesting play on that in the story of Samuel. It says at the time when the, the lamp of God was still burning but was about to go out. The Lord's voice came to Samuel in that darkness. Things were about to happen. But the very thing that was taking place was an act of grace. That God was saying here in this prophetic demonstration through which Jeremiah is being drawn into or, or being used. God was saying to the nation, to the city, implicitly, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Mm -hmm. That's in the previous chapters, 29 verse 11. Even though the siege mounds are inching up to the city, even though the squatters are already out there, the enemy, the occupiers, better than squatters, the occupiers, the occupational army was in there. Even though the city was about to collapse and for 70 years into the hands of the Chaldeans and the Babylonians, even though all that's happening, even though consequences come, I just got to say this in a parenthetical moment. I'm just going to say this. You can choose your actions, but you can't always choose your consequences. Right. And God is a God of grace. But if you push against Him that much, He says, you know, He doesn't have to enact judgment. All He has to do is lift protection. Right. And we get what we deserve because we want to operate outside of the protective care covering and desire of God to do us good. And that's what has happened here. But God is still good. And God has still got intentions to bless you. Yes, he does. To restore you. Notice that word. He wants to bring you back to his blessing. God has his own redemptive claim on a city, on a nation, on Jeremiah, on you, on me. So God says to Jeremiah, you buy this field at Anathoth. some interesting hidden insights in this text so I don't know that many of us would have seen before but let me just slip out a few little interesting things that I discovered as I poured over this text 
Jeremiah's name means God shoots. <laughs> well, listen, it's not that God shoots Jeremiah. It's that he, he shoots Jeremiah <laughs> as an arrow. The idea, of, the idea is that he's appointed and established. God shoots. This is the name of the man we're dealing with. God shoots. An appointed and sent one to establish the things of God. Uh, Isaiah said something quite similar in Isaiah 20, uh, 49, verse 2. He says, He has made me as a polished arrow. The prophets had the sense that they were of the arrow of the Lord, in the bow of the Lord. In fact, Isaiah says, and he's hit me in his quiver. That's that long-time thing going on. You, know, you ever felt like, when are you going to use me, God? You gave me a word. You gave me a call. For as long as I need you, to sit in the quiver and be quiet. But there comes a day, there comes an hour, there comes an appointed time. And when he pulls you out, he pulls you out to fire you, to, to hit the mark. You know what the definition of sin is in the New Testament Greek word? It means to miss the mark. You know, you want me to preach against sin, you know? This little horrible, gross, wicked behavior. <laughs> That's a very religiously narrow view. Sin is to simply not being dependent on God. Yeah. That which is not a faith is sin. And that's what causes us to miss the mark. And sometimes our dependence of God is proved in the darkness of sitting in the quiver waiting. Because we're not confident in ourselves, we're confident in Him this time. Much could be said down that track. But here's Jeremiah. This is what his name is. God shoots. God establishes. He's the appointed and sent one from the Lord. God has made him too as a polished arrow. And God sends his word through sent ones. You know when God speaks to a city, a nation, or whatever, I've said this before, but he doesn't send a sticky note to everybody's fridge. Well, we don't all wake up on the same morning and hear this big, loud, booming voice echoing from the mountains. I hear this sound coming from the mountains. You don't even know what I'm singing, do you? Because you just weren't there in the charismatic heyday. But when God sends his word, he raises up a people. And that person, that people, has something imprinted in their spirit. And they come, listen, in a profound sense of sentness. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you, they have the audacity to believe that God's hand is on them, that he's spoken to them. Oh, yes, and God speaks to you. <laughs> you can't tell this to everybody on this sky train. God spoke to you last night. How did you feel? The hell is it? <laughs> I'm on a mission from God. Who's <laughs> brother? But the truth is, 
Then the profound sense of faintness gets into our spirit because God has spoken, the prophetic spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. However which way it's come to us, we feel dead. And we're here. That's how God sends his word to a city. Not the only one. Don't, don't ever imagine that you're the whole Bible. <laughs> There's a lot more words and phrases than just you. Oh, God. The New Testament word for that is apostello. I recognize it as an apostle. When a church understands its apostello purpose, when a church comes alive to this profound sense of sentence, when a church knows that it's being led by God and steps in accordance with the word of the Lord to it, God is making that church and that person and that people a prophecy to a city, to a nation, to nations. And as dirty and as quirky and as insignificant as whatever you may feel, but when God speaks to us, C3 Vancouver, and there's something about the leading and the guiding and we happen upon a place. And he says, you buy into this place. It's got heritage. It's yours. You have a right of possession by heritage. Something's going on. Yeah. And it, 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 it surges up or it brings up, and it, I'm looking for a better word, but all that profound sense of sickness that we can have. The church alive to being apostolo, apostolo is a prophecy. Like Jeremiah was a prophecy. Listen to this, Ephesians 3, 10, and also verses 20 and 21 as it goes down the same chapter. Listen to this. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We have a mandate to speak to the authorities that are trying to govern the city that are not of God because the government of God comes through the church. And the government of God comes through the church because God has called the church, God has empowered it with his word, and placed it in the city as his representative. So when we press our noses against the glass of that wonderful facility and look out over the city and we pray for the city, what we are actually doing is we are governing the spirit of the city. And we're saying to rulers and powers, we are sent from God. You haven't been sent from God. You have just lodged in place because you are a Corbea. You are an occupying force. And we're here to eyeball you. Once more, we've made a purchase on Amethyst. We have a rightful claim. Oh, God, you're getting excited, people? Mm -hmm. I'm preaching too heavy. Do I need to stop so we can kind of figure out what he's saying? But through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is going to be made known. The rules and powers and heavenly places going on down. Here's another very well-known verse, but it's in the same flow of thoughts, in the same chapter. Now for him who's able to do more, far more abundantly than all you could ever ask or think. According to the power at work within us, collectively, see, we've personalized it. We've taken it away from what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the church. Yes. And this great promise 
about doing exceedingly abundantly above all is to the church. The church, that is the manifold wisdom of God, the speaking forth of God's wisdom, the principalities of power. And he says this as it continues on. He's, God is able to do much more than you're able to, to do a thing according to the power at work within us, the church. To him be glory in the church. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sure. <laughs> I need a stadium full to hear this. I think I've got it. There's an innumerable company of angels flapping their wings and going bananas right now over the declaration of his word. Good God says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that we've come to the Zion, the church of the firstborn, to an innumerable company of angels. So what I don't see sitting in the seats here are here, and they're excited because God's purposes are being enacted in this city by a people who are hearing the word of the Lord and moving in accordance with the word of the Lord. Stirs up the angels so that heaven begins to change with earth. There's a, there's a holy commerce going on. These guys are bringing stuff down and they're taking our prayers up. And guys, they're all looking for a whole bunch of packages like Amazon, man. This thing's coming off the belt. You've got to get moving. You've got to get. You got to take this one. You know, he knows. He doesn't need drones to do it. He's got real live angels. Something's going on. It's more than you can see right now in this ship, people. I'm so excited I could jump out of my skin. But that wouldn't be any good to see all the wet parts of me. That would just die up there. I mean, oh, yeah. carrying on. Now, Jeremiah, the arrow of the Lord, is told to transact on this prophetic word and bind the field. That is an anathoth. You know what anathoth means? It means answers to prayer. So I said there's hidden things here. Answers to prayer. <laughs> this arrow is being sent <laughs> into answer to, to make the purchase on answers to prayer. It's not just answered prayer or that God answered. God answers prayer. It's kind of not a removed statement. It's a statement that says there's been a lot of prayers and some answers are now yours. If they were praying 100 years ago, 50 years ago, back in the 60s when Open Bible uh, uh, Chapel was being bought and purchased and people prophesied and gave and sacrificed and, and promises and came to church and said, oh, Pastor Aaron, I get this word from the Lord. You know, nah. <laughs> I'm telling you, all those prayers today Come on, that's right. that haven't been answered will be answered Woo! as we connect with the purpose of God. Now, within these verses, as you can see by my diagram, there's a string of pearls. Pearls of wisdom that only strengthen the, the metaphor as far as I'm concerned. Look at the intent of God in the names of those through whom this purchase was provided. Enamel means God is gracious. Here's the grace of God to us, to you. And he's the son of Shalom. Now, if you've been to Israel, or you know a little bit of Hebrew, probably the one word you do remember is Shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew idea. It's, 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 a, it's a blessing. It's a, it's, a, it's a welcome. It's a blessing. It's a, 
is, is, is more. It's, it, 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 it means prosperity, but it's not about the bank account. It's about forward, holistic. It's about well-being. It's about peace. And Shalom is just a, a proper name coming off the same idea. It's very related to the word Salem. You know, Jerusalem, city of peace. Peace. This is wrapped up in the meaning of the word name. Shalom. Has the idea within that whole dimension of well-being and Peace of it has the idea actually in it of being restored to peace, being restored, restitution being made so that you can be at rest. This is, this is the first pearl on the line of this amazing prophecy. God is gracious. Second pearl. God is gracious. Is the first Shalom, well being, prosperity, restitution. Now look at the lineage of those to whom Jeremiah committed the deeds of verification and safekeeping. Barak, Neriah, verse 2. Barak means blessed. And you've got to say, you've got to say, with all that we're talking about, you would be blessed. And the whole idea of this too. We are blessed. Blessed. Neriah means lamp of God. Lamp of Yahweh. Lamp of God. It's the same basic word that's in Psalm 119, 105 that I talked about before. Your word, your prophetic word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, if people can't see darkness, what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, vision, light, they are most blessed. You see, in the string of pearls is this whole idea that this is a prophetic word that leads you to blessing. But I love how it concludes in that string with Marcia. Look at whom this prop from whom this property originated, the father back. Mm. Marcia. His name means God is hope. Beautiful. God is refuge. Jehovah is refuge. Now I preached to you a little time back. A message which was kind of preempting what I'm saying today. This brings us to our conclusion, by the way. But I preached to you out of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 12. Return to your refuge. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Yes. Today, I declare to you, Thank I God. will restore to you double. And double is the abbreviate for the whole of the law of restitution. That's In other right. words, God is back to pay back and to give you double pay for lost pay. Thank you, Jesus. He's coming in on your lost inheritance. He's coming in on unanswered prayer. He's coming in on claims that have gone unjustly to others and other things. 
but he's coming in to restore. And my title slide's going to come up right now. And so to cross over, folks, hmm. in this you, relocation, it's more than a relocation. Yes. It's transacting on a prophetic word and signing into God's intent Woo! for this city. We're buying the field at Anathoth. We're buying into prayers. We're buying into promises. Yeah. We're buying into prophecies. Come on. We've got heritage rights that come through Jesus. We're buying into the sacrificial purchases of generations before us. They set up that building. They gave it its city clearance for use. They believed God. They sang. They worshipped. They heard. They yes, prophesied. Thank you, God. I got a call from a brother just before Christmas. He says, tell me where this building is. It's a pastor. Told him. And he said, you know that I ran three meetings of men who prophesied over the city for He said, I'm only excited to hear that you've done with making your Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Call me nuts. I don't mind. But I'm sitting up and believing this. Woo! Someone doing this, this crossover. With a profound sense Thank of sinfulness. Coming a prophecy. Thank you, Jesus. Saying to Vancouver. Whew. The restorer of paths mm. to dwell in this here. The repairer of the breach. Yeah. It's here. Mm. The one who has come, the redeemer, is marching back. At least in this part, as I believe it is in many other parts, and I can tell you this, we're enacting a prophecy, it's not just for us. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's God right. God is up to something in this city, and he's speaking, and his rightful claims is going to make true for you and for me, for the city. One last word. Pastor, it probably didn't have me in mind back in the early 1960s. Here I am. (laughs) Regeneration. Transacting. Decision. Yes. Church, right? We decide to go with this, whatever the cost. If the East Bank Cross speaks to us of giving our lives for the city, we're making a purchase another generation. Thank you, God. See this heritage. Stepping into our inheritance and leaving. I want to pray this morning.
afternoon, no, this morning still, that's amazing. And I want to pray this morning for any one of you who feels like you've got a lost claim in your life and injustice has been done. You feel like some way, somehow, whichever way, it be an illegal thing, material thing, a spiritual thing, emotional thing, but a lost claim. I want to pray for those who, who actually have lost inheritance. You don't feel bad over it anymore. But I'm telling you, the Lord is coming in to say, I'm here to restore. I'm here to do things that will bless you. I'd love to lay hands on you just in the spirit of what's here today and the prophesying you a sudden kind of faith and step towards where this goes. And we pray for you. We believe God. There comes a return of inheritance. That God will make it up to you with back pain. Return to your refuge. Return to your stronghold, O prisoner of hope. I Will restore. Thanks for listening. For more information, join us online at c3b.ca.